Well, we're going to do this for a couple more weeks. We are praying, just so you guys know, we are praying about continuing up until the men's study starting in September. Anybody want to continue for now to then? A few of you guys. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Not sure how that's going to work out. And of course, as uh, the Lord would have it, who knows what's going to happen. I mean, things are not looking too good, of course, with this whole COVID deal. But we're here tonight. Amen. We haven't been told we haven't, we can't come. So we're blessed to have that. Now, the announcement I'm going to give, you guys have first dibs at uh, signing up for this thing we're calling our Summer Men's Gathering. I talked about it last week. It's going to be on 8-8-20, Saturday, August the 8th. Pastor Bill Buffington is going to be here to do uh, the guest speaking. Now, it's normally a breakfast, but there won't be any breakfast because we can't serve food, but you can bring your own coffee. Um, Starbucks is fine if you want to bring an extra cup or two. No, just kidding. <laughs> but anyhow, to sign up, we have 100 slots available. So write this down. To sign up to, at Eventbrite, you go to ccsouthbay.org forward slash gathering. Forward slash gathering. So that announcement will start uh, tomorrow night and, or Sunday. And once it hits the air, it's going to fill up quick. So you might want to write that down and get signed up for that thing tonight. And don't sign up if you're not coming. Don't be a chump there where you just, oh, I don't because it's free. You know, it is, you know, when, if I was charging 25 bucks, you would sign up. You're going to show up for sure. Amen. Anyhow, turn with me to Philippians chapter four before Bob comes up. And I promise I won't take all your time tonight, brother. <laughs> but a couple weeks ago, I was at the uh, little store inside of the, um, the VA hospital there on Wilshire and uh, just kind of browsing around and looking around. I came to the little book section, just looking at, and um, the craziest thing, there was a Max Lucado book there and it had a cool cover on it. And the, the title of the, the book was Be Anxious for Nothing. So, man, so I picked that thing up and started looking through it and I go, and just some, one of those things where it's like, I gotta have it, I gotta have this book. So I've been reading it, leafing around. Actually, it was taken by my wife and then she took it to work and then a lady at work almost read the whole thing while she was sitting there working. <laughs> Must be nice, one of those county jobs, you know what I mean? So, but anyhow, the passage of scripture, of course, to be anxious for nothing right here in Philippians chapter four, um, has been in my heart. I've been thinking about it, pondered, and I thought, you know, it'd be cool to just kind of read through this and, and talk about this a bit tonight as we look at this, but starting in verse four, because really that's where you need to go. Of course, we know Paul is, is writing this from prison, and it's that famous verse, Philippians 4, 4, where he says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and say with me, again, I will say rejoice. Now, for us, looking at Paul and where he's at, um, you imagine the, the, the heart behind being able to write something like this from where he's at. In the midst of his circumstances, he's basically set that all aside and his heart is still set on things above. His heart is still seeking things above and he's rejoicing. He's able to rejoice. And for me and for you in this situation that we all are in, are we still able to rejoice? Now, of course, all of us, everyone here has got unique situations. Some, your job hasn't even been affected. Others, you've lost your job. 
Things are crazy all across the board, but he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I said, rejoice. And what did he say? Verse 5, let your gentleness or calmness of spirit be known to all men. And here's why Paul could rejoice. He believed that the Lord was at hand. Now, of course, this is written 2,000 years ago, and he was wrong. And so we look at today, though, and in our hearts, we see the things of this world and it, it may not be that the Lord is at hand as if he's coming tonight, but how many of you guys believe that he could come at any time right now? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's there. But the greatest thing about even having that mindset, and every generation has had this hope, and we're, to, we're, we're supposed to have this hope, is that it gives you the ability to look beyond these circumstances. Man, I could be out of here tonight. Not that I'm trying to escape reality or such, but you know what? I don't like the reality I am. I want the promise of heaven. I want the paradise of heaven. I want the sinless existence that heaven is going to be like because ultimately the problem in our world is one thing, sin, and the heart of men that are wicked. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness, let your calmness of spirit be evident, guys, to all around you. Hey, the Lord is at hand. Why am I fretting? Why am I freaking out? So what does he say? Hey, be anxious for, well, some things. Be anxious for some. Isn't that what it says? Nothing. What's left after nothing? Nothing. And yet, isn't that the hardest thing to do? I can be anxious for a few things or maybe not all things, but for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Paul, are you out of your mind? Be anxious for nothing but in everything, all circumstances, every day, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Man, thank you, Lord, for how crazy things are. Really? Thank you, Lord, for how tough it is. Thank you, Lord, for the, the trials. Thank you, Lord, for the struggles. Thank you, Lord, for the finances that are dwindling. Thank you for all these things. Yes, really? Be thankful. Be thankful because that shows a heart of gratitude towards the Lord no matter what. Guys, guess what? It could always be worse. Am I right? It could definitely be worse. Anxious for nothing. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Of course, sharing these things, speaking to him. Understanding, remember, he is your wonderful counselor. When you have your devotions in the morning, you don't need anybody else to counsel. He's your counselor. You go to him, talking to him. Hey, hey, Lord, here's the deal. Here's the situation. Here's the circumstances. And the idea behind all that, is, of course, is you, you make these supplications, you say these things, you talk to him, you give it to him, and then you leave it with him. Because let me ask you right now, who in this room could change this whole coronavirus thing? Anybody here? Anybody? Can you really change a lot of your circumstances, some things you can, some things we mess up and we, we make the mistakes ourselves, but we can't change what's going on. We don't even have the ability to figure out anything. And of course, scripture says that God brings the counsels of men to nothing. And that's kind of where I think we're at. Me, people, like I got shared last week, people are, are frantically, as we speak, trying to figure out and find a vaccine for this virus. They're trying. How much money is going into it? How much time and effort? 
still zero. Now, I'm not saying that we're not going to, but guess what? That answer is going to come from God, not from man. So we leave it with them. So when we leave it with them, what happens? In verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. And of course, if you've been in those situations where you've had an experience in life where maybe a loss of a loved one and looking forward or, or looking at a situation where a loved one that you, you'd have is dying from cancer and you, and you know this thing is coming. Like with my mom, we knew it was coming. And yet it was one of those things you wanted us to be in denial about. No, 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 no. God can still heal. God's going to heal. God's going to heal. God's going to heal. And then he didn't. And then she dies. And that to be in that situation and have this peace come upon you that looking at it a week before she died, you were, you were dying. And yet to have it happen, this peace that surpasses understanding. How did this peace happen? That's what we're talking about when we give these things over to him. When we, we pray, we, we, we're anxious for nothing. It surpasses understanding. And also this peace, this peace of God, it guards our hearts and our minds. It, it, it covers us through Christ Jesus because we've trusted him. We've given it to him. And of course, so in doing so, a, a big part of this, guys, is what I am thinking about, what I'm focusing on. Because what happens is I, I'm anxious. Okay, Lord, I got a situation, right? Lord, I'm praying about it. I'm praying about it. Okay, Lord. But then I can't stop thinking about it. Or the devil comes and lies to me and bombards me with, oh my gosh, do you know what? What if, the what ifs, the what ifs, the what ifs, the what ifs, the what ifs. And you, you, you freak out. So what does Paul say? The next thing we're supposed to do, guys, is we're supposed to let our minds dwell not on this situation that we've just given to the Lord. We're to let our minds really dwell on the Lord. He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, what are we supposed to do? Think on these things. Meditate on these things. Dwell. Let your mind dwell on these things, guys. Taking our minds off the things of the earth and putting our minds on the things of heaven. That's where this incredible peace can come from because I'm not, th I'm not thinking about it. You know what? I, we've said it before. I mean, the news, turn off the news. You turn on the news, what are you dwelling on? What are you thinking about? What's, what's messing with your head? All this horrible stuff that's going on in this world. Like I said, I'm not trying to you know, tell you to put your hand, head in the sand like an ostrich or something. But you know what? You don't need to fill your head with junk. Fill your head with the praises of God. Fill your head with God's word. And these things will happen. This is what we've got to focus on. And then Paul concludes this. He says, the things which you have learned, received, heard, and saw. So, of course, Paul is using himself as an example for the believers that are there. The things that you have learned, received, heard, and saw, especially saw. And what did they see in Paul? Let me ask you this. What did they see in Stephen when he was being stoned? When you read that, that passage there, they say that Stephen had the look of an angel. He was gazing up to heaven. 
he, he was seeing Jesus. See, what the people saw in Paul, as he even told the Corinthian believers, imitate me as I imitate who? As I imitate Christ. These do, he says, the things you learned, received, heard, and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Not only will we have the peace of God, but this God of peace, you guys, will be with us. And he is with us. And we need to be reminded of that every day, every moment. And so when you're in that time of devotion and you're feeling yourself becoming anxious of something, about something, some situation, whatever it is. And there's a lot to be anxious about. I'm not trying to say there's nothing going on in this world. Ah, it's crazy out there. It's nuts out there. And yet, how are we to live our lives? Before the people that you work with, your family members, your brothers that are here, let them see the calmness of spirit, the gentleness of spirit. Let your gentleness be known to all men because the Lord is at hand. That's the witness that we need to have, you guys. We can't be shaken. We can't be moved. We can't be going crazy like the rest of the world. And I'm, I'm first to be admitting the fact that, you know what, I, you can get caught up easily in this stuff. But you know what? No. What can we do about it? My responsibility is to pray, seek the Lord, pray to him, ask him to fix these things in my own life, and then let it go. And then walk down the road, trust in the Lord, the God of peace is with me, and he's going to carry us through this time. Whatever happens in this world, it's in God's hands. Whatever happens in our lives, it's up to us. We can, we can meditate on things above, or we can get freaked out about the things that are going on, and you're going to be anxious, you're going to get the ulcers, you're not going to be able to sleep, you're going to be angry, you're going to be uptight, you're going to be tense, you're going to fight with your wives, you're going to be yelling at your kids, you're going to be yelling at your boss, you're going to be cussing people out, and you're going to say, where did that all come from? The devil's sitting back going, yeah, got him. Got him. Because he's at work, big time, guys. So anyhow, if any of you guys are here tonight and you're anxious for things, after the study, if you want socially distant prayer, we'll pray for you, just to encourage you. But trust and know the Lord is at hand. He's coming, but he's with you. He's with us, and he wants us to be at peace, just like the disciples in the boat, freaking out. Jesus wakes up. Peace. Be still. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, with that, once again, Bob is here tonight, the foundation for Discipleship. He's here to share with us. Let's welcome Bob Park coming on up. Hopefully your mic will work for a while. Amen. I think it's working. Is it working? There we go. There we go. Let me get this out of the way. I could be moving here. Um, something Pastor Rob said. Do you, do you guys believe that God has you in his hands? It, really, I mean, do you believe he... And we should ask ourselves this. We should always check ourselves in this. Do you believe he, he's, he's got your back? That in the circumstances of your life, even when you are being anxious, um, do, do you believe that he's there with you? And, and, and it's funny because I just got to share something because something Pastor Rob said, I had a kind of smile, and that's what made me think of that is that 
as I kind of you get ready for doing something like this, you know, you get the butterflies, you get nerves and, and all that. And, and uh, But it's funny how in our time of prayer and the leadership beforehand, there was like three other guys. One of the things that they prayed was a part of what's in my study. And then as Pastor Rob was sharing from Philippians, not the message he gave itself, but part of what he talked about in Philippians was in my message. And, and God does stuff like that where he says, you, I, I gave you this message, just go share that message. Right? He encourages you. The, have you had God do that for you? He, we we got to really keep in mind that he does have my back. We got to walk by faith. If we do, we're going to see it. Right? We're going to see him doing those things. And that's another thing in your devotional time, looking at your life, being honest about what's going on, being real about it and see what God's see what God's been doing, what's been going on, and to look at things carefully because you'll see times when God is just, oh, my man, you were there, God. You were, you were in that. Amen? So we've got to keep that in mind. So, yeah, the foundation of our discipleship, a life of devotion. In the first session, we talked about the fact of our discipleship, and that was that, that we are all called to be disciples, not just saved that we're meant to be followers of Jesus Christ. And we learned that the heart of a leader is in being that example, we are all be leader types, not leader like leader position at a church, but that we be leaders in that sense and that we're just going to boldly be that disciple and follow Christ to others. And, and we're also going to be involved in helping others in their discipleship. We're going to help make disciples. If you were here last week, you remember that. So this week we're going to look at that foundation of our discipleship, which is that personal one-on-one -on -one fellowship with the Lord, who, that the, our, our personal devotion to the Lord, where the heart of it is that time of devotion that we have with Him every day, right? What's the men's ministry thing? Um, every man, every day, right? Every, every day, right? So... That's, uh, that's, not only, that's not something we, we should do. That's a blessing, guys. If we do that, we, if you're doing that, you guys know it's a blessing, right? This is not some burden thing to do, like, oh, I've got to read my Bible today. No, we get with the Lord, it's a blessing. And, and I define that, that time of devotion for me as, as a dynamic, this is a mouthful, so I'm going to read this, a dynamic, intimate relationship with the person of Jesus Christ through fellowship with him in the word, by the power and the work of the Holy Spirit that is personal and specific for each one of us. Did you hear that? I hope you're experiencing that. It's, it's not just going, and I read my chapter today. You know, I'm getting with the Lord. The person of God is there, and he's got things for me that are personal and specific for me that he wants to speak, speak to us about. And we have that, that type of relationship. That's going to be life-changing. And what I mean by that, it isn't just, wow, I had a fun time reading my Bible today. It's something where we're going to take what God spoke to us in that, the work that the Spirit did, and we're going to take it out with us in our life the rest of the day as we go. Amen? We understand that. It's not just like, oh, that was awesome, because you could do that. And I've done that so many times over the years where it was like, whoa, that was awesome. God spoke to me. And then when I look back like a few months later and all of a sudden I realize I'm doing something that ain't so cool, I realize... 
hmm, that's the thing God spoke to me back there four, four weeks ago, and here I am still not doing it, you know, so we could make it into like a, an experience, right, an emotional thing. Oh, that was so awesome. I heard from the Lord there. But if we don't take it with us out into the world, then what good does it do? What does it say? Don't be only hearers of the word, but be doers of the word, right? And we all know that. It's always easy saying that than it is doing it, right? But it's good to be reminded of it. And so what we say in the men's leadership in that, it's, it's, we, say, we have a saying, living in and out of the word of God, right? So our life is in the word, and that's how we approach it, and then we go out and we just live in it out as best we can, right, following the Lord. So first, I just want to real briefly just, this is like kind of a, one of those duh things, but I, just one thing, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about devotions here, but I want to say about the Bible just say as simply, this is what I do because I'm kind of a simple guy, but is that the Bible is God's revelation of himself to his creation, who he is, what he's like, what he's all about, what life is all about, okay? And that's important to know, uh, have that simple thing because the purpose of devotions then is that we might know this God who has so carefully and clearly revealed himself to us. Amen. That's we mentioned last week, John 17, 3, and this is eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. So it's that intimacy with God. That's what life is all about. And, and the awesome thing is, is that um, when we have faith in that, Pastor Rob and I were talking earlier, when we have faith in that, and it, it's all about faith, he still is revealing himself to us. He didn't just reveal himself to the world back then and then up through Scripture, even in just Scripture. But he reveals himself to us personally out of Scripture too, if we just have faith, if we believe that's what he wants to do. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if we have faith and we diligently seek him, he promises he's going to reward us. What, with what? With himself. He's life. He's going to reveal himself to us. He's going to speak to us out of his word. That's what we got to go for. That's what we got to desire when we go to have those devotions. As I said, not just reading the Bible, right? We, it's great. The, the word is awesome. I love the word, but it's, it's pointing to him, the living God, and that's what I want. I want him to reveal himself to me. Amen? Amen. And then uh, I was thinking, like, you know, some people might ask, nobody in this crowd, I'm sure, but why should I do devotions? And I'm glad you asked me. Because Jesus made it clear that it's vitally important that we, we, we do. Let, let's go to, um, I'm going to open my Bible up, but let's go to Luke 10. Luke 10. And this is why, this is why we should. Because Jesus said so. Kind of like with your, your kids, right? They ever tell you that? Why should I do that? What do you tell them? Because I told you so. Right? Right? So Jesus told us so. Uh, chapter 10, Luke, uh, verse 38. And I got to tell you, this is like, I don't say this is my life passage or, or verse or anything, but I, I, I love this passage. It says, if you're still getting there, I'll start reading it. Now it happened, verse 38, now it, as it happened, as they went, that he entered Jesus a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, 
who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Love that passage. Jesus tells Martha, one thing is needed. One thing. He's talking about Mary sitting at his feet down there to Martha. I mean, don't you think it's kind of important when Jesus says there's one thing that's needed? I know we do, it's the whole word of God, and we, gotta, we keep that balance in there, but that's, that's pretty clear to me. This is something poor. I want to get that right. I know I've got to work on the other stuff, but I, I can work on this. I can get with Jesus every day. There's no reason I can't do that. Amen? And we've got to do that. And then in Matthew uh, 7, um, let's go to that. It's Matthew 7. We're going to jump around a little bit, so I hope you guys are... You guys got your laptops like Frank back there you can get to it faster than the rest of us Matthew 7 chapter 7 verse 21 to 27 Jesus gives us uh, the danger of not doing that one thing not doing that if we don't do there's a danger if we don't do that one thing It starts off in Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And then it goes on. Therefore, whoever hears these things of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And he talks about the floods come and all that, and and uh, and it's but it's not going to knock the house down. That those verses 21 to 23 to me, it's like if that's not the scariest passage in the world. Um, there's a lot of them I realize, but when Jesus, when somebody comes to Jesus and he's talking about Lord, when the many come to him and say, Lord, I, I cast out demons in your name. I prophesied in your name. I did wonders in your name. I'm thinking, like, that's pretty impressive, huh? I'm thinking you could walk up to the pearly gates with that resume, like, yeah. You see me kick butt on those demons? I can cast them out, Jesus. I did great with that. You'd be bragging, right? That's pretty awesome. Seemed like an awesome thing. But Jesus didn't react that way to it. He said, I never knew you. Depart. That's, that's a scary thing. You know, you ever get into, you have that battle with religious things and, you know, you're just doing things and you, you realize you're kind of distant from the Lord. I don't know if you've ever had those moments. Maybe I'm the only one that's had those. You can get into that where you can do that and um, and, and then you, you, you don't want to hear those words. Because <laughs> that sounds pretty impressive. You, you think you'd be pretty puffed up when you walk up there, right? And then he says, I don't know you. That's pretty freaky. That's pretty freaky. But it's not that, uh, if you look at this passage, it's not that the doing isn't, it's not that doing isn't a big part of our life. So I don't want to, in him, and I don't want to give 
the wrong impression there, but the key in this passage and what we got to think about in this, which is as it ties to devotion, is it's, it's the right kind of doing we want to look at. That's what we got to look at. And this passage has a couple examples of that, and I'll show it to you so we can understand this. Because we want, remember, all this is springing out of this life of devotion, of intimacy with him, right? We talked about John 17, 3, right? That we would know him, intimacy with him. But in 721, where it talked about, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. He says, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven, right? So, so you had a doing thing there, right? I did wonders. I, I, I did this casting out of demon. I did, but here's the thing. The difference in those is those were religious activities. There was no intimacy with the Lord there. That was just religious stuff. Good and of themselves, but not the key, not the one thing that's needed. As opposed to God saying, but he who does, what? The will of my Father. Right? The will of my Father. And you might ask, well, isn't casting out demons and prophesying the will of God? Yes, in and of themselves, but it's where it springs from. In verse 24, it, it mentions, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, right? So it's the specific doing that he commands us, me specifically, you specifically, you specifically, in our fellowship with him. That's what he wants. That's the doing that we want to look to concentrate on because it springs out of that fellowship, that intimacy with Jesus, that one-on-one -on -one with Jesus, right? It's not just reading and, okay, I'll go do that. There's a danger in uh, observe, interpret, and, and, and apply. Because we could get in and, and be kind of doing that. It, it's, a little, it's a little hard when you're filling it up with a lot of the word, but we can go, I'm, okay, now I'm going to go do it. Like, I got this, Jesus. We got to keep that intimacy. We want to be sensitive to him speaking, and we, that's what we want to do. What he speaks to Bob, I want, that's what I want to go do. Otherwise, we can get into that reverse thing where I'm going to earn my salvation. I'm going to do works to earn my salvation. You get that? There's the, there's the turnaround on that, right? So that's where it has to come from that. And, and just a point on that, too, because, you know, I talk with a lot of people, and, and even for myself, and you look at certain people. I look at Pastor Jeff and all the stuff he, he's done and talks about all that stuff, and it's like, whoa, this dude's done a lot of, lot of things in the kingdom of God. But here's the, here's the beauty it's kind of like the gifts, right? The, the, the smallest member of the body of Christ, he'll receive the greater honor. Why is that? Because it, it, for us, for us humans, for us sinful kind of humans, we need to see that. Otherwise, we think, I cast out demons, I'm bad, you know? But no, that's not it. That's, and I don't want you guys to think that. Like, well, I can't do that with Pastor Jeff, because I, I say that. Every time I listen to him talk, I didn't do that. Whoa, I didn't do that either. I mean, the guy's done a lot of things, and there's a lot of guys like that. But here's the key. Whatever each of us do, whether it's seemingly small or seemingly big, is equally important and precious to God. The key is, do you do what God speaks to you? And do you do what God speaks to you? And do I do what God speaks to me? Not what God speaks to you. I don't have to worry about doing what God speaks to you. I got to do what God speaks to me. Amen? And, and, and it doesn't matter what it is, as long as that's what we do. If we do that, 
when we die and leave this world that could be coming very soon, as Pastor Rob says, we're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, right? Because every servant has a certain task they do in the king's kingdom, right? It wasn't what it happened to be. It was their task, and they did it. Amen? So be encouraged in that. Find what God has for you if you're not already doing it, and do that. And about the doing, the same thing in Luke 10. Martha's doing wasn't necessarily a bad thing in and of itself. In fact, it may be part of what she does. The problem for her was, it says she was worried and troubled about many things. And and so Jesus told her that you're distracted by these many things. So she, she was running around doing a bunch of stuff, and she was distracted from the one thing which her sister was doing. And, and that was the issue with her doing, unless we think that, you know, we're just going to sit around all the time and sit with Jesus, okay? And so that we don't do that and get doing ahead of the one thing or do religious things rather than the will of God. I do that a lot, don't I? I gotta, my, my son started doing that to me, so I, you know, I got to stop doing that. <laughs> okay, Dad. You got to love him. So in order that we don't do that, though, let me share three attitudes <laughs> Oh, gosh, here we go. Three attitudes that will help us to avoid that, and that's the the humility, the hunger, and the hope of our devotions, okay? Now, let's look at that. And so, first, the humility of our devotions, or as I say, be real. It it takes humility to be real with God. We talked a little bit about that, you know. We're getting with God, and and we're just being open and honest with Him because it, it hurts our pride. That's what we're fighting in that, right? But to just say, yeah, I did this, God, and just be just boldly honest, you know, just harshly honest about ourselves with God to be that real. It's a battle with our pride. Uh, years and years ago, Ken Graves did one of our retreats, and I, I've always remembered that. You know, ever go to retreats where you think like, yeah, it was pretty fun, but then you're trying to think about the details of it, and it gets a little fuzzy sometimes, and then down the years you kind of forget what the, the, the retreat was about great experience but that often happens sometimes life-changing things happen that we hold on to but but I always remember this Ken Graves would say men we lie to ourselves and we're just stupid enough to believe ourselves and that just stuck in my head so much because we do do that right and it's our pride that gets in our way with that so it wants to fight against that being real but if we're willing if we're willing to just be brutally honest before the Lord it op- it's going to open the door to a much greater relationship and it's not so much coming from God's end, right, because he knows all and, and all that. It's, it's really from our openness to receive from the Lord and, and allow him to do his work in us. And so that's so important to do, that, that total honesty. So let me give you an example of that, what I'm saying, and you don't have to turn to this. In 1 John 1, 8 to 9, we all know this part. It says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we're real about our sins with God, and we don't hold back on that, and, and we're totally honest, then we get release from the, the burden and the stain of that from our heart, right? And, and, and so, and so we, we can think of it as a negative thing because the whole pride battle, like, eh, that wasn't so bad. But we're just holding back our own growth. We're, we're carrying around that burden in our heart because we, we actually know better. So it's important to be real with God. And that relationship between being real and and true fellowship with him 
It's also found in, when we read John 14. Again, I'll just read it to you. 14, 16, and 17, it says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth. Of truth. He is the Spirit of truth. And he is the one who's keying our relationship with Jesus. So we have to live in that. We have to, um, we have to relate to him on the basis of truth. And I'm not talking about of truth. I'm talking about truthfulness, about who we are, where we're at, and and our communication with the spirit of truth. Okay? Amen? You get that? We have to do that. It's going to hinder God's work. God will work it all out, and he can work it all out. But do we want to go 10 years down the the road and still be stuck in this something because we can't let go of it? I mean, I've had stuff that I battled for a long time, and that ain't no fun. Amen. So we got to learn to do that. We got to learn to uh, to be totally real with God. Go to First Corinthians chapter two. We're going to jump again somewhere here to, to kind of carry this idea of being real a little bit more. First Corinthians two. We're seeing how good we are at flipping the pages in the thing. You know, I, I memorized the books of the Bible recently. I was trying to do it because I'm getting old and I wanted to help my memory if I could. And I had a list of it, and I was memorizing it, but can't remember where I put the list. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, but I did do it. And it actually found out it helps me when I'm flipping around to books of the Bible, because I got a good idea generally where it's at. Don't know where that list is, though. I... Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we see uh, another way of being real with God that we have to have, by recognizing our dependence on the Holy Spirit in our devotions. Okay? We, we need that. We need to understand. We need to depend on the Holy Spirit. It isn't just about my brain. If it's about my brain power, it's going to be like that list. Yeah, I'm in trouble. Amen? Okay, well, I know we got, we got some young guys here, but, but the rest of us, we understand what I'm saying here, right? <laughs> Amen? If we can, if we can't do that and recognize our dependence on that, again, a little pride's getting in there. It, we, we won't be open to receive what only the Holy Spirit can do. And so I want to show you what I'm talking about on this. Some of you may already be ahead of me on this, but let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. It says, but as it is written, actually, I'm going to read mine here. I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. God has amazing things prepared for us, amen? Above and beyond what we can ask or think, like it says in Ephesians 3. He's got amazing stuff. We know he's got amazing stuff. And it says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. And we know it's in the word, so that's part of that there. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. And what does that say? What it says to me is we can't really, really get, get, what the, what the word is telling us in a truly personal way is God's digging deep. The deep things of God is the deep things he's trying to do in our lives. Part of that is what that is, right? So we can't really get that without the spirit helping us that. We need him to do that. He knows he's God. He knows the will of the Father, right? And uh, so we got to have him to do that. And then it says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Why will we not depend on the Holy Spirit, guys? He wants us to know the things of God. 
And how does he give it to us? If we do some good things, if we cast out some demons and prophesy and do some wonders? No, how does he give them to us? What does it say? Somebody give it to me out of the text. That we might know the things of God that have been what? Freely. Freely given, guys. You don't have to go through hoops on this, right? You just have to recognize your need and be able, willing to admit it and then just come to him. Jesus says that a lot. Those who come to me, right? Come to me. He, he wants them. So in our time of devotions, acknowledge that he is personally there with you. I, I do this. I know it seems kind of silly, but I, I consciously make myself do, do this. And I try not to get into a routine, which can have a good factor to it. Like, I know he's with me. But then we can also get kind of routine too, can't we? So I try to consciously do that and just tell them. Sometimes I want to bring like another cup of coffee and just kind of, there you go, Lord, brought you one. You like it black, right? And set that there before him and just, I'm, like a, I'm thinking things I'm not going to say right there. But, um, so we got to acknowledge he's there personally. And we need to ex- and acknowledge your dependence to him, not on him, but to him. Again, to get that mentality, speak to the Holy Spirit. I was doing this out loud in, in my bedroom is where I do my devotions. Well, my wife's out and she does it in the living room. I talk out loud to him. And, and so I acknowledge he's there and I, I talk to him. I say, okay, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you to open this up to me. I mean, I could read it and kind of get some stuff. A lot of that just from doing it for years, but certainly not from my smarts. So I, I, I like to do that. And then ask him to reveal the deep things of God, right? Holy Spirit, you're the only one who knows what's going on in my heart. You can unscramble it all. You're the one who knows God's plan for me, so I need you to help me. So I ask him, show me, reveal what you want to speak to me. You know what I need to hear in this passage. One thing, to what, what does this passage say? The other thing is, what do you have for me in that passage? That's the difference. That's the personal touch in that. And then be totally honest about your sins, guys, your attitudes and actions. you got to be. It, it is so... I can't tell you how impactful that was for me when I did that. And that wasn't that long ago. So God keeps you know, teaching you things. I've always felt like I had a great devotional life, but that was a powerful thing for me, just being just, I'm going to just be blunt about my own sins, my own bad attitudes and things that I wear. I'm not acting all that great. And, and remember, he already he knows everything. He already knows all of it anyway. So that's not, you're not telling him for information, like I did this. <gasps> oh, no, Holy Spirit, God. God's going, Jesus, did you see what Bob did on that thing? No, he knows, right? He knows all things. But here's what it is. Your honesty before God about that, that is your effort, your effort to build the relationship between you and him. That's what it's saying to God. That's what you're showing to God, okay? You're doing that. So I'm going to be real with God. I need that because I need to be like, I can trust you, God. And I know you're gracious and I know you're long-suffering, I'm acknowledging who he is when I'm real with that. But it's me trying to build that relationship from my end of things. Because that's what a relationship is, right? We know apart from God, we can do nothing, right? But a relationship is two people. Apart from him, we can do nothing. It doesn't say we can't do anything, right? So it's that relationship. And then we have our part to play in that. And that is just being real with God because he... He, he can't do all the work he can do unless we do that. If we just won't see, again, you ever do that with your children? You just can't, you're trying to you know, raise your children. like, when you go get the job, here's what you want to do. But they got it all figured out and they know what it is and they just go do something else. And you're like, hey, you know. But so we just got to, we got to be uh, real with God. 
Secondly, I want to talk about the hunger for our devotions. This is so, so, I just thought of it. What's that, you know, that phrase that says, what's the, um, what's the best seasoning? That hunger is the best seasoning. You know, if you're really, really hungry, and you, maybe you haven't eaten for quite a way long time, I don't care what you throw in, into me. It's all going to taste good at that point. <laughs> you know, so I'm going to stuff, stuff it in there. So the hunger for our devotions, or be passionate, doing a little Warren Wiersbe thing there, be passionate. And first of all, we want to be passionate about the person of Jesus Christ. It's not, as I said, just about reading our Bible. And I'm not telling you not to engage your mind, of course. What the Bible says, the content of the Bible, that's vitally important, of course. Things have to be according to the Word of God. I'm simply emphasizing how to approach the Word of God, right, with the right attitude. So it's not just a matter of information. It's a matter of, 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 of relationship. No, it's, it's not uh, informational is the way I put it for myself. It's relational and transformational. So that's what we want to have, right? We can read. I can read and read and read, and it's possible I wouldn't change at all. Or I might change a little bit because the word, you know, it's always going to do something. If my heart is in it, I don't have a passion for God to do this work or to be with him, it's not going to do that much. I have to be willing to receive, right? I have to be. So I want that to transform me. So I don't want just information. And if we do, we can be like the Sadducees and the Pharisees in Jesus' time. They were like this. I saw this verse and it was like, whoa, this like blew me away. In, in John 5.39, you don't have to turn there. Um, Jesus is talking to the, addressing the Pharisees the, and Sadducees, the spiritual leaders. I'm kind of liking that now. The spiritual leaders. And he says to them, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. They studied and memorized scripture. They knew it so well, and they didn't even recognize the Messiah when he was standing right in front of them. That's the, that's the danger. That's, that's why this has to be very personal, guys, okay? Because that's what they did, and, and we're all the same, right? We, they seem so distant from us, but we're men of like passion. So we could do that really easy ourselves and just miss what Jesus is trying to say. And we wouldn't see Jesus when he's trying to tell us something or do something in our lives, okay? So we don't, we don't want to be that way. And Paul got this. He totally got this, man. That, that dude was like awesome. I can't wait to meet him in heaven. But in Philippians 3.8, he writes, Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. And before that, in the start of the chapter, he's talking about all those things that he's done. And the th I'm a uh, Hebrew or Hebrews, right? Circumcised on the eighth day, yada, yada. I'm blameless when it comes to the righteousness of the law. I mean, all these, inc again, incredible sounding things. But to him, it was just rubbish. He didn't care about all that stuff. And that rubbish in the Bible, that, that literally means dung, right? So he, that's what he thinks about all that. He just wanted more of Jesus himself. That's what Paul wanted. He had that passion for Jesus and that's what we have to ask ourselves. Do, we, do, do you have, are you willing to suffer the loss of anything as long as you can have Jesus? I remember Pastor Steph, you know, and someone I knew that he was counseling, and when I talked to them, he said the one thing that he asked him was, is, you know, in the issue they were having, not to get into that, but the details of that, but he said, is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough? He should be enough, right? No matter what's going on. 
Jesus should be enough. We need to have, he deserves that kind of passion uh, from us. And so we should also be passionate about our time alone with him. If we have that passion for Jesus, it's got to be like, man, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but it's a little side thing here, but it, it, to that end, and this is all coming, let me be clear, this is all coming just from the work Jesus has done and just breaking me down and pride and, and all the things, and, but just so graciously and patiently and gently, but to a place where I just started getting like, where I'd go to bed at night, I'd be like laying in bed for a while and be like, it was morning already because I get to I get to get in the word and get with Jesus it's like I can't wait to see what you're gonna do Lord that's you know that's a that's a passion and that's not not me I'm manufacturing that just because of all the things he's done how gracious and and, and wonderful he's been and patient long-suffering is a better word there with me it's just that passion he brought in me it's like have you done that like I can't wait to get in the word again I love it and the sons of Korah, they understood this passion. They wrote a lot of the Psalms, right? And so in, in Psalm 84, 1 to 2, that's one of the ones they wrote. It says, How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. I mean, can you just hear the passion of that longing they've got? That's, that's in there. It's just, I'm fainting for, for the courts of the Lord. I just, I can't wait to get with the Lord. And they wrote another Psalm 42 where they said, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come in a beer before God? This isn't just like, mm, I need a drink. No, this is a desperate thirst. A desperate thirst, a thirst as of life. A, a life necessary. I'm going to die if I don't get a drink of this water. You ever been that I dry before. I kind of felt that way wearing that mask on there, and I'm trying, singing and stuff like that, and it's getting all hot, and I just like, I'm like, whoo, I had to just like pull that down and get a little fresh air. It's kind of like that, that desperation. And then you, I remember going skiing, and, uh, summer skiing, and, and getting so burnt, and, and I was so dried out, and then going, getting home from it, and just open up that cold can of, you know, Diet Coke or Coke or whatever the heck it was, and drinking that thing, that, that thing was like, I felt so good. It was like I was going to die if I didn't drink that thing. It was so refreshing. And that's what, there's the passion of that in there. It's just a, a, a life-saving type of a thing for the living God. Only the living God can quench this, right? And about that kind of passion, A.W. Tozer, who I love, said it this way in The Pursuit of God, to have found God and still pursue him is the soul's paradox of love. Scorned by the too easily satisfied religionist, but justified in happy experience by the children of the burning heart. That's what we want to be, children of the burning heart. Oh, man, I get to, I get to sit with Jesus. Okay, amen? Let's have that passion. Let's, let's build that passion up, right, for Jesus. And third, the hope of our devotions, or be moldable. The, because the more real and intimate we get with Jesus, the closer we get to building that up, it's, it's awesome, but here's the kind of the good news, bad news kind of a thing in a way, is the more we recognize our need for change. He's God, I am not, amen. I don't know if you guys done this, you know, and it's necessary, we need it. Uh, Romans 7 sees we need to 
talks about we need to see the sinfulness of our sin. Because we, we, can, we, can, we can cushion that thing a little bit. And like, hey, it ain't so bad. You know, not, like, not like Moses. Moses, your sins are, dude, you know, mine aren't so bad, right? But we need to see the depth of that. We need to see that honestly, that, that sinfulness we got. And, and so we need to be able to see that change, that we need that change. And that's only natural because as we get close to his holiness, the contrast is greater and greater. Right, so we, we want to get closer to him, but that's what it's going to show us. And that's okay. That's okay. We're, we're not meant to only hang out with him and enjoy him. That's big in that. But the time we spend in his word is meant to transform how we think and how we act to be more like him. Like in Romans 12:2, where it says, And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It, he changes how we think, how we see life. And then when we express the, the, that change in our thinking, either by word and, and by deed, then we prove what is the perfect, as I say, the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, so as he changes us and we do that by our life and that change he's making in us, we're showing people around us, this is what God's all about. This is the way God wants us to be. And in the same way, in, in 2 Corinthians 3.18, we see that our fellowship with Spirit, He changes us into the very image of our Lord, of Jesus Christ. And He does it little by little, day by day, so that we begin to act more and more like Jesus. It says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Right, so day by day, little by little, we got we got to keep doing that. We got to every man every day, because we need that. Because we're knuckleheads. So if he's going to transform us, man, he needs to work on it, work on it, work on it. He's working on this one thing, and he's working on this thing. Oh, we got to come back here and work on this other thing all over again. He's got to do that. We got to stay in those devotions. We got to stay in his word and communicating with him personally. And that transforming work that he does is according to a perfect plan that he has for us. This is really, really important. We know, we hear that. We hear these verses that God's got a certain plan. He's doing a work because he's got, he created us for a particular thing. I talked about those works that he's going to have you do, whatever they are. You might be just a little toe, but you're not just a little toe. It's all vitally important to the Lord and into the work of his kingdom. And he, he loves us each, no matter what we, what we do, as long as we're doing that thing that he calls us to do, whatever we find that to be. So he's got a perfect plan. Jeremiah 29, 11 says it, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God works out that perfect plan day by day as we stay committed to him. That's what's going on. It's not so easy like, well, here's the plan, and then, okay, I'm going to go here, I'm going to do that. That ain't going to work because we're just going to start wandering off. And he, but as we stay with him and we just communicate with him and listen to him and we obey what he does and, and we just build that love affair with him, what's going to happen is he's moving us, right? In him we move and, and live and move and have our being. And he wants it conscious. It's going to get there, but he certainly can't give us the road map because we'll just go off on our own and then we're in trouble there. He wants us to stay close with him because what's eternal life? It's intimacy with him, right? But in that, he's going to be working that plan out he's got for our life. And that's important, important to know. And, we, and if we're going to 
fulfill that plan for him, the only way we can do it is to stay firmly planted in his word in that time with him. Psalms 1, 2 to 3, we know that. I love it so much. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. I love the NASB version that says, the, it says, he shall be like a tree firmly planted. Firmly planted. If we want to grow to maturity and produce that fruit, we must stay planted firmly in his word day after day, every man, every day. We need to do that. That's how the word goes. Like someone growing something, they're constantly paying attention, watering it, fertilizing it, all that. We got to do that and let God do that fertilizer work in, in us. And it's a lesson that God taught me. It's one of those awesome ones I, I've never forgotten and I keep my mind on. I remember it was a time when I was feeling really condemned about myself, about how slow I was to uh, to change in so many ways. You get to that point, as I talked about, where you, you, you see, you're being honest, you see those things, and, and then you think you're doing okay, but then you do something and you realize, man, I got a long way to go, right? And I was really feeling down about a bunch of stuff when that time came, and, uh, but he taught me in that. He taught me in that, that we're going to have ups and downs in our walk, times when we're going to stumble, Times when we realize as God's teaching us something in our devotion, we go like, oh, man, you were, you were saying that to me six months ago. Oh, yeah, and, and you were saying that to me the same thing two years ago. And that's what I was doing. That was part of what was coming out, too, and the things that were going on and just my attitude and everything. And, and it was like, and then the Lord kind of spoke to me, gave me a verse, and, and as soon as he did, it was like, man, you were saying that to me, Lord. Two years ago, three years ago. You ever do that? It's, thank you. Oh, yeah, definitely. And so it's going to happen, but don't panic. Don't panic. And don't fall into self-condemnation. That's, that's the devil. What does Romans 8, 8 start with? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, right? Well, we've got to stay in Christ and everything's okay. So there's no condemnation. So when we're feeling, uh, we don't want, we shouldn't, don't fall into that feeling defeated and, you, and that giving up kind of attitude comes in. That's what happens. That condemnation comes to get our eyes off of Christ because that's not him. That's the devil. So we're listening to that. That's who we're listening to. And so we start getting that kind of uh, depressed and, and ready to give up and everything. But remember, God is love, right? We all know that. It says God is love. And so, but sometimes we forget because we think it's just for us, but Galatians 5 talks about what the fruit of love is. It gives the descriptions of what love is, right? And he is the epitome of all those fruits of the Spirit because he is love. So he is the perfect long-suffering kindness and gentleness. So that's the only way he's going to work with you. Long-suffering and gently. That's what he's going to do. So, so seeing them do that in my life and realizing that in that scenario and, and during that time was so powerful for me because I recognize that. I recognize despite that fact when I look back those three years and, oh, my gosh, I was struggling with it back then. But then I also I realized, yeah, I was having these awesome devotional times with the Lord. He, no doubt he was speaking to me. He was opening up his word to me and showing me just cool things in his word and about his love and how great he is, how much he loves me and, and, and all that. And it was like, whoa. I, I just, it was overwhelming. 
So realizing that this, that he did all that, because that was all him speaking to me and showing me things and all that, that was him just continuing to do that, despite the fact I had all these things I was battling with. Battling is big, but just those sins, you know, those things, those bad attitudes and and sometimes not always acting the way I should act in situations and those similar ones. So it was amazing. And it made me really appreciate out of that God, his great gentleness, Psalm 18. It was funny because it was like right after that, shortly after that, that's the psalm I was in. And I got to verse 35 and I read it. It says, you have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. It was perfect. And this one, this is the one that your gentleness has made me great. So that, that gentleness of God, and it was so amazing how he speaks to me. That's just the joy of that relationship with him in the word. It says, you enlarge my path under me. I love that. You have to think about that for a while. It says, so my feet do not slip. So you think about that, you know, that walk in that narrow road, right? And I blew all those things, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like trying to walk that, and I'm crashing against the wall, you know, on the narrow road and all that. But what did God do? Did he, like, get back on the road? Or, like, you blow? No, he's like, he, he, what does it say? He enlarged my path, you know? I always picture it's like a dad letting his kid, like, walk, right? And the first time he's walking, and the kid's, you know, doing the, like they're almost going to fall thing, and then dad is right there, you know, waiting for him to catch him like that. That's what I see what the Lord does. So he doesn't condemn. He just does that. So it's important, important that we, um, we see that heart of the Lord because that's going to help keep us moving in our devotion and our time with him where he can just keep growing us and drawing us closer to him. Okay, so keep, always keep that in mind. Don't let, if it's condemnation, it's the devil. Okay, it's the devil. So finally, let me um, share just a little bit, and I kind of debated how much here, and I don't want to do a ton on this portion of it, but the fourth one I had was the how-to of our devotions, and I labeled it as be purposeful. And so, um, well, and I'm seeing what time it is. and <laughs> uh we could do probably like three, four, five sessions talking about devotions, right? We could have talked about the Bible a little bit all of itself, and we could have gone through all of that. Um, but here's the main thing that I want to say. You know, we have um, a couple of things I'll say real quick, and that is uh, we hear about studying the Bible and devotions, right? And, and we can all do a little bit of studying, right? But, but really... Um, a, 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 a devotional time, a, a, a sweet, a personal um, time of intimacy with the Lord where open up the Word and just read what it says carefully, pay attention to what it's saying, and listen for the Lord and allow the Lord to speak to us and show us things in that where it speaks into our lives and where it reveals Him and grows us close to Him and then changes us in it. That's, that's all you need for a, just an amazing life with the Lord and, and a life of purpose and and uh, where you can hear from him and do things for the Lord. Those things I talked about, those things that are, he's calling you individually to do. All right? So no pressure, pressure there. The more we can do, obviously the better. Studying God's word and knowing it better, never going to be a bad thing. But I just want to encourage you in that. Teachers, teachers are different, right? Teachers are, are they're gifted specifically and called to, uh, to dig into the word that much deeper and, and, and know it inside and out, background, all that stuff. Why? They're, they're going to do that. Uh, they're called to that. 
in order to, um, uh, to teach us. Because they, they are, um, what is it, Ephesians, it says in 4.11, right? So they, that they can uh, help build up uh, the body for the ministry, right? So that's their job to do that. So that's why we need that too, right? Nothing can replace our time with the Lord. That's the, that's the rich time with him. But they can also help us in our understanding of the word. And we can take that knowledge now and then we're reading in our own time that enhances that that much more. So that's all I want to say, say about that. And... Uh, I am not going to get through all of this, but but let me say uh, two more things. One is, real quickly, a couple things you can do to really help your time in the Word, and it really helped me because I'm, I'm no theologian. I just love the Lord and love to sit with Him and be in the Word half from the moment I got saved 24 years ago. But a couple things that can help you. One, especially, is context. And I think we're all Calvary Chapelites here, right? So you've all heard about context is king right so so that's big that's the one thing that that i wouldn't uh, i wouldn't want to not uh, give you during this time and that is the understanding of context and so just putting that really briefly is as simple as i can put it and i do that for me as well is that certain words are used to form a, a sentence that has a particular says a particular thing that's part of a thought uh, some idea that the author in the Bible wants to get across, right? And he puts a few of those sentences together, and that makes the paragraph or the, or the passage. And, and that's got a, a, a particular goal in mind, a particular idea in mind. You know, it might be a truth. It could involve a promise, a command, or, or just a historical fact or whatever. But basically, that's how it goes. So all those words in that sentence kind of relate together in order to express its part of the thought. And just as each sentence put together, they have a purpose together to express a specific thought. So all that's involved with that, you've heard of observation, is just take some time to look at what it says and compare everything that's in there together because it works together. And in a sense of a devotional life, um, one of the things that I do in my devotional life is I'm, I'm, I'm definitely waiting on the Holy Spirit to speak to me because I know he's going to do that. been that way my whole life with him. And uh, you're reading and paying attention, but then you ever had like a verse just jump out at you and you're, you're reading along, you're kind of following it, and then you read that verse and you're going like, whoa. And you take a little step back and then you think, and you kind of know right away what it's aiming towards, you know. Sometimes you have to think about it a little bit, right? And, and so, but you do and you're like, wow, that's powerful. I take that. I stop right there because that's the Spirit of God. That's the Spirit of God. And so I'll, I'll meditate on that. I'll think about that and think about the, the direction in my life, the area in my life it's talking about. And it could be a comfort, it could be a correction, it could be any of those things, but it's the Lord. And I want to think about that and meditate on that, and then I'll praise him for it, thank him for it. Oftentimes I'll journal down what I get out of that time with him. But then what I try to always do is, after I'm done with all that, I take everything I, f I feel out of what I, I believe the Spirit has spoken to me in that, and it's oftentimes very powerful, but it could be deceptive, right? The devil can present himself as an angel of light. So what I do is I take that all that thinking I did about that, and I go right back, and I take it right back to the passage. And now I start back at the first verse in that, in that passage I just read, where that, where that verse came out of. And all I'm, that I'm thinking, now I read it again, and I make sure, is that fit in with that passage? You understand what I'm saying there? Because that'll help us get off on weird doctrinal things and just making stuff up of, of you know, what we think. God told me to do this, you know. 
well, if what I was feeling and thinking and how that verse affected me doesn't fit in with that whole passage, if I can, it doesn't fit with the other verses in that passage, then I, I got to watch out. That's a dangerous spot, okay? So just watch that. So that, that's the one thing on that I would do. And, and to journaling, as I mentioned that, really, I know a lot of don't like to write. I didn't used to, but I've been like a madman the last two years, and two things that it's helped me with it in that area is that um, it helps me to kind of express everything I felt like God gave to me. And, and while I'm writing it down, I'm thinking about it all the more. And, and being an old guy who couldn't find the, you know, the one list I talked about earlier, I, I need to have that repetitiveness in my head to make it really sink in, right? I have to read things over and over again. That's why I like to read really slow normally. And, uh, but then the other part that helps me is occasionally I'll go back and I'll read back in my journals, right? Because remember I talked about the plan that God has specifically for each one of us? Oftentimes as I'm reading through, and I'll go back maybe even like the start of the year type of thing, and I'll just spend a couple of days just kind of reading, spending some extra time where I'm just reading through some of those and seeing what God spoke to me out of what passages and all that. One of the things that did for me, of course, it encouraged me how awesome God is, and that's always going to enhance our relationship with him. But the other thing it did is it kind of started, I started seeing a pattern, and that helps me a little bit to not keep doing the same stupid things because I started to see it more clearly as I see it presented in different ways from different areas of the Bible. If I read something from January, and then also I read it in, in, in last month, let's say, I go like, whoa, those two things kind of connect what you were speaking to me. And it helps me to grow in that sense. And it helps me get connected more and start to see what his overall uh, plan is for me. The way he works in me, how, what's he doing? Because you start to see the consistency of it. So just a, a suggestion. If you can do that and you don't mind writing, that's a powerful way uh, to, to really get more out of it. And so in closing, and I'm sorry I couldn't do more of that other stuff, but in, in closing, I want you to remember this. Uh, this. A couple of things I'll remind you. The time with Jesus is more than just reading your Bible. You don't want to ever fall into that. Oh, I read my chapter today. I read my, whatever, few chapters today. I'm reading through the Bible in a year. If that's how you approach it, you can read the Bible in a year, and it don't matter. Charles Stanley says it's not so much uh, how much you get into the Bible, it's how much the Bible gets into you. So if, if you're whipping through those three chapters a day, which is what it takes to get through the Bible in a year, you'll you have to be getting something out of it. If you're not, you've got to watch out for that, okay? So it's more than just reading it. You want that intimacy with Jesus. You want him to do that work. And again, it's about having a dynamic, intimate relationship with the person of Jesus Christ through fellowship with him in the word by the power and the work of the Holy Spirit who is God's rep on earth. So we've got to get that relationship with him in this way going. It's not about a bunch of weird, you know, giftings, you know, babblings and falling on the ground and stuff. It's, this is the work of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth in our life through the word of God. And it's, he does it specifically and personal for us, right? It's not generic. And to that end, you want to come at it with an attitude, the attitudes I gave you, an attitude of humility, which is being real with God, of hunger, wanting a passionate personal connection to Jesus, of hope, that, that expectation is what that is, being moldable in his hands, allowing him to transform you, and of purpose, and that's that, that your relationship would line up with what the Word of God says. It, it's not some haphazard feeling. It's according to the Word. So it, it needs to be that, that attitude of purpose. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much. 
Thank you for your word, Lord God. What an awesome thing that you had that written so that we, later down the road, uh, in a relationship with you, the living God, could open up that Bible and have you speak to us through it as if you were speaking it for the first time. Give us a new hunger for your word, Lord God, but even more importantly, a new hunger to just sit with you, to, to hear you speak to us. You said, my sheep hear my voice. We're your sheep, God, and we want to hear your voice. And with all the voices we hear in this crazy time, in this tra crazy days, Lord God, yours is the voice that we need to hear. And we need you to do that for us. Help us to grow in your word, to grow in you, Lord God, but even more importantly, that we would grow out of your word, Lord God, and we would be men of the word, and we would live by your spirit, the spirit of truth. And help us in that, Lord, to make a difference in this crazy world, this fallen world, and be part of bringing more, bringing more people into your kingdom, making disciples, as Matthew 28 says, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your long-suffering with us, your gentleness and your kindness. And we just thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's men said, amen. 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 Thanks, guys. Good word, brother. Good word. You know, I said this before. Um, I could go to church every single day, seven days a week, be busy about being in church and not be in devotions, not be in this foundational book and never even have a relationship with Jesus. I tell you what, I could quit going to church for the rest of my life and as long as I'm in God's word as the foundation, every single day, my relationship with Jesus would not change one bit, you guys. I'm not saying don't come to church. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying this is the foundation. This is where your life is going to be built up and established. And then coming to church is like the the whipped cream and the cherry that we're going to have a fosters here in a bit that goes on top when you come to church it, it builds upon this foundation that you've already established in your lives as you're in god's word every day guys and that's of course you know we're, we're harping we're preaching to the choir a bit here a lot of you guys are already in this but those of you that haven't made that connection yet that foundation is vital it's vital, especially in these last days. Amen? All right, guys, next week, Bob will be again teaching kind of two sessions next week. Then I'll do the following ending session. But, guys, encourage other brothers to come on out, and uh, we'll see what happens. And, you know, it may be next week, uh, well, we can't be coming to church anymore. So we need to be praying that God moves and God changes and God fixes this thing. Otherwise, we know we'll still go forward. But anyhow, guys, God bless you. Thanks for coming. See you on the way out, and uh, be safe, be healthy, be wise, and uh, eyes on Jesus. <laughs>